0: Good morning, good morning, and good morning and welcome to another episode of Poppin' Off with Feel the Podcast. So, for all my co-hosts who are not local to Georgia. Um, beginning July 1st, Georgia instituted a new rule called the hands-free. Meaning one cannot have their phone in their hands anytime while a vehicle is in operation. In order to have your phone in your hand, you must um, be parked. Additionally, uh, they've plugged in some other rules regarding the usage of your cell phone. So there's like this one touch rule, meaning you can only literally touch your phone one time. They don't care about you being on GPS. They even instituted a rule that says that you can't access any online radio while driving, meaning no Pandora, no Spotify, any of those things. Um, additionally, there's this gray area on whether or not a person can utilize their headphones. So, the block is hot. <laughs> Yesterday was the second, um, which was a Monday morning. I normally drive through two counties on my way to work. cab the county in which I live in, and Gwinnett, the county in which my job is located. And there's also Georgia State Patrol. I saw a lot of people pulled over. I already felt that the text messaging law, um, though important because the number of fatalities were high um, due to distracted driving, uh, was a bit arbitrary because a person could pull you over because at that point in time, there was no, you had to be hands free. So a person could pull you over. I had been pulled over um, where a person was like, well... You looked like you were using your cell phone to text. And I was like, well, I wasn't. I was using it uh, to uh, navigate a GPS. He was like, well, it didn't look like that to me. I was like, but that's what I was doing. But it didn't look like that to me. So the the rule was already very arbitrary, in my opinion, and, and very subjective. It depended on who pulled you over and, you know, what, and a lot of different things that you don't have any control over. I am disinterested in having any altercations with anyone. Um, I don't want to incentivize incentivize my uh, my my arrest, my demise is just not that serious. So I'm gonna have to try to figure out another way to do this. Like right now, I'm not using my headphones, and so I don't know if the sound is going to be as clear as it normally is. But what I'm probably gonna do is I'm probably still gonna publish on Tuesday mornings. I'm just going to re-record I'm going to pre-record so um, it's going to lose that whole driving in the car with Phil feature letting you know about what's going on with traffic Um, you possibly hearing road rage um, and all of the sounds and waves of the morning but I think it's still going to be a great show anyway let's get into it so I've been having some really great dreams over the last couple of weeks I shared one last week um, on like you know via my Facebook page and via my instagram page because it was a dream very vivid with phyllis Simon. phyllis Simon is a was a was a fabulous singer and one of my favorites who i was introduced to at a very young age and uh she committed suicide uh let me see if i get these dates right june 30th of 1995 um and it was the day before the day of it was the night before um that i believe she's committed suicide but you know she was found that day and it was the day that she was supposed to uh, sing at the Apollo uh, Theater. It was also several days shy of her 46th birthday which will be July 6th. So obviously 1995 I was really young had no idea who she was at that time but later on discovered her actually through Tapes, cassettes that my aunt, my grandmother, I mean the aunt my mom had. My uncle was a huge Phyllis Hyman fan. But I got this one CD from my godmom, which was Phyllis Hyman Remembered, where it kind of chronicled different aspects of her career, and I fell in love with her from that moment. Um and then, of course, later on, there's this unsung, she was an airster artist. Apparently she was bumped by Clive when Whitney Houston came along. But she apparently was also very difficult to work with although very talented. She had some mental illness issues that were never truly uh, taken care of. Never, she was never medicated as far as I know. Um, or if she did have medication, it was something she didn't want to take. So, anyway, great dream about Phyllis Hyman. Um, it was like this party, um, There were other friends there. It was like this gathering of friends. They all got gathered together and she ended up singing some of her music and was very, I think she was very humbled, but she was also quite amused that someone my age was so into her and knew her music. And it was was a fabulous dream. Like I didn't want to wake up. I really didn't want to wake up. Last night I had a dream with another one of my faves, Jennifer Lewis, and she said, you know, you are one talented motherfucker and you are going to be big. And I think like I really needed to hear that because as you know, I'm in this process of applying for positions, trying to really make this transition into the nonprofit arts scene as an arts administrator. It's something I feel really passionate about. I feel like it's something that I, I should be doing um, and you know. It it just isn't an easy transition. Like I just applied to a job and like the application was like a straight auto fail. So obviously there's something that I answered or did not answer in the application. Well, I know that answered all the questions. It's obviously something they were looking for an answer that I did not provide. And so it was like, womp womp, like it was a real big womp womp because I felt like I'm qualified to do the work, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, What I really wanted to talk about today is a conversation that kind of jumped off between me and some friends earlier last week. And so the title of this episode is probably really gonna grab people's attention, but it's just how I feel. And the title is, this motherfucker is rigged. It's rigged. The world we live in is so rigged. I, you know, as, as, as a person of color, who has worked really, really hard to achieve the things that, I, that I've that i achieved, you know, from my degrees to my position at work. You know, it is very disheartening to know that you are in a world where you really do work three times as hard as the person next to you, only to get a fraction of the appreciation and the advancement that they do. And I think what really has been burling under me is, or, or like burling under my skin, really getting under my skin, is that we all know that we live in a world with the infallible white woman. She, she can do no wrong. And she typically calls upon her tears to garner attention. And people respond to that. We are conditioned in this world to respond to that. Other women respond to it, men respond to it, especially white America. So, you know, uh, legitimately, you know, like with the incident with Barbecue Becky, I, if I was a white woman, I could legitimately confront you about something I feel that you are doing improper. Front you out. Say what I want to say to you. Expect for you to respond to me in a certain way. And then... If you don't meet me with a level of respect that I feel you should, I can flat out be like, but all I was doing was trying to save the world. And then everybody flocks to me and tries to comfort me. And at the end of the day, the person that I attacked (laughs) is rendered wrong, you know, or, or out of line. I have literally watched several videos over the last couple of weeks where white women have outright called black men and other black women nigga to their face. Um, I've seen them spit in people's faces. And, you know, as a black man interacting with a white woman or any woman, as a man interacting with any woman, but certainly as a black man interacting with a white woman, I am... I'm supposed to take all of that because she's a woman. You know, at the end of the day, she's a woman. So if she puts her hands on me, I'm supposed to have enough restraint because the, the word says, <laughs> whatever this word is, I don't know who wrote it, but the word says, you know, a man is naturally stronger than a woman. So even if she hits you, if you hit her back, you'll never be able to impact her the way that she's impacted. You tell that to Ronda Rosie. I, I'm pretty sure that if she hit me, she knocked me the fuck out, no matter how strong I thought I was. But nonetheless, uh, that's the world we live in. Um, Ronda Rousey, whatever that bitch name is, you know who I'm talking about. But She, 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 she could probably take out most grown men. <laughs> but nonetheless, that's the world we live in. And so I'm finding that white men are starting to tap into this 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 infallible white woman white woman tears concept and they're beginning to whine and literally cry when they don't get their way when things don't go the way they feel they should even if they're wrong and I have been on several calls at my job where I have talked to white men who have literally Whined about a rule or regulation, whined about a decision, even though they were wrong or the person that they were defending was wrong. And they're literally like, Well, I, I just don't understand. And you should want this. And I and me and we and uh yeah. And it's like, Are you kidding me, sir? Like, you are a grown ass man. And I hate to say this, but a grown ass white man. What more privilege do you need access to? What, what more is it that you want that now you have reduced yourself to the point where you literally want to cry to me about something that you don't feel is fair or equitable? I'm, I'm the one who should be crying. I should be crying because I probably, the way that this world is set up, especially in corporate America, I'm not gonna get to where you are, <laughs> you know what I'm, saying? I'm 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 not gonna make it you know um, and even if I got to the level, I would get to the level with a considerable difference in compensation um, <laughs> it's it's it just blows my mind it blows my mind and i and it's funny because. We legitimately live in a world where um, everybody doesn't realize or everybody doesn't want to give credence to the fact that privilege exists or that privilege also affects them. Because they are black folks too. I feel like African Americans who attended HBCUs um, or possibly grew up in areas that were a little bit more rural or... Have even some that have a certain level of affluency understand the whole concept of race relations? You know, we get it. You know, especially people who go to HBCUs. Like, I didn't go to an HBCU because I was fearful of diversity, or you know, wanted to isolate myself from the world. I went to HBCU because I felt like that was the best place to equip me for the world that I would be living in. Um, I felt like I needed to be strengthened. And I didn't want to go through college Scrapping and fighting I wanted to go through college Where I was in a safe space where I could learn And Morehouse provided that for me And I'm sure that might be the same for many other Black people who attend HBCUs uh, Or other persons of color You know, I mean, Caribbean people as well Whatever the case is, that's the environment That I wanted to be in, I wanted to grow and thrive In that particular environment But it also gave me Insight Because having gone to Morehouse, you know, was which was very much so involved in the whole civil rights movement being in the South and different things like that. Like, I'm a little bit more in tune with that struggle and I get it. And I find that sometimes my 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 brothers and sisters that attended Majority Universities PWIs are a little disconnected from that. You know what I'm saying? Because some of them have been giving this given this idea that Although being black can be a disadvantage in corporate America in certain workplaces and certain spaces, um, because they went to these particular institutions and obtained these particular degrees and do this type of work, um, they're shielded. And it's, it's interesting when, uh, uh, when a, when a black person in that world becomes a Uh, becomes woke, when they are awakened to the fact that, oh, oh no, it doesn't matter that I have an Ivy League degree, it doesn't matter that I'm good at my job, I'm still, I'm still a nigga, and if they decide that they don't want me to go any further, then I won't, and it's, 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 it's shocking to them, you know, it's a world that I've always known has existed, but it's shocking to them. It's another thing with gentrification. I talk about this all the time. Gentrification is a double-edged sword. And it works well for those individuals who have a certain level of, of wealth. Even people of color. But the way that the pendulum swings is you eventually get to the point where even you don't make enough money. And I have friends who are also going through that. I met a guy who just moved back to Detroit and, you know, he was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm making this, I'm making this. You know, things are good. And then he realized that all of the money, all of the influence, all of the connections, you know, all of the hard work that he did still brought him to a stopping point because there were still places and spaces he could not navigate in that city. And he's a return. He's returned to the city, um, so he had left the city, you know, made a big name for himself. Come back to the city, thought things were changing, and then got back into this space. It was like, oh no, you're still not allowed here. You still don't make quite enough money to play this hand of poker. And so I just, I think I want us to. I don't. I don't know the answer for white folks. I don't know what to tell them. I mean, I, every chance I get, I try to. Make it known that I am not affected by tears. I It, it just... They don't move me. Um, I, I used to joke with friends because friends would be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And they'd be like, oh, but it'll make me so happy. Listen, I have two younger brothers. Um, and I love them to the end of the world. But tears don't move me. Um, if you want something from me, let's have a conversation about it. Um, let's dialogue it. But tears? mm I, I just... I'm unaffected by them. So I am certainly unaffected by the tears of a white woman. And by a white man, I, you almost don't exist. It's almost like I am looking straight through you. Like you are some type of hologram. I, I, You, I just don't, I can't fathom the, I can't fathom a world where it is conceivable that a white man feels that people should answer or respond to his tears. I just, <laughs> it, it is the, It is... It's it's so laughable. It's not even funny. It's one of those types of things where it's like, you know, you literally laugh as you're like clenching your fist in your teeth because you like, I really want to punch you in the face. Um... So, I just... Listen, people of color. The only way we're going to get through this this thing called life is by figuring out ways to, to band together. Um... The world is not set up for us to succeed yes many of us have and many of us will um but my aunt told me this a very long time ago you know you know that white america has this prescription for how far you should rise and what you should have And at the moment you step outside of that prescription, that's when you start to have an issue. So as long as you play safe within that space, as long as you don't um, arouse too many suspicions, as long as you don't ruffle too many feathers, you can navigate through this world and not have any issues. But at the point where you say, but wait a minute, why is it that I do the same work, more work, better work than my, my white indian asian counterpart and and yet i don't get the same level of compensation you know when you start to ask those questions when you start to fiddle around that's why they have all these things set in place that's why when you work in corporate america they always say well you know we're, we're giving out bonuses but we ask that you not discuss your bonus because everybody doesn't get the same percentage But if I decide to ask Mark and Keisha what their what their raises were and they decide to tell me that's their business, if we shared that information. And then if we go back and we compare and we say, Oh, but we all got the same rating on our review, then that's a that's a that's a that's a corporate problem. That ain't our problem. And if we bring it up to corporate, somebody should actually, you know, You know, pay attention to what we're trying to say. You know, actually treat us as if we are making valid points. Because it is a valid point. You know what I'm saying? But they're like, don't talk about salary. Don't don't have these conversations. Well, how am I supposed to know what to ask for? And the problem is, is a lot of times, I start a job the same day my white counterpart starts a job. And we're already, there's already a disparity between what that person makes and what I make. And so... When we do have the conversation of this raise versus that raise, you know, 2% to them ain't no big deal because they're already making 10, 15% more than I am, you know? So it makes it even worse when I'm like, okay, well, we both got 2%. Yeah, we both got 2% raises, but he got a 2% raise off of a 10 to 15% higher rate of compensation than me. And we do the same work or I do more work. You know what I'm saying? Um we gotta figure it out. And I, I really don't think corporate America is the way. I, I we gotta find other ways to 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 make our money and make our mark in this world. And we also have to find ways to kind of stick together because that's another thing that we don't do as communal as people of color are. In the workplace we seem to be the, the very opposite you know it's that whole you know it, that i guess the crab in a barrel mentality where it's like we don't want to see other people uh get ahead and we and, and we're willing to step on as many heads as we possibly can in order to get ahead and don't get me wrong i believe the same thing <laughs> exists in white america but the only difference is they really do stick up for one another they really do help each other out they really do hire each other like the system is rigged listen we have interns at the job now so, everybody has has had a summer internship, you know, or a summer job. I don't know about you, but I worked every day. Once my summer internship started, I worked every day. I worked every day that the office was open. I was only out of the office when the office was closed. And because I knew I wanted more time, I structured when I was going to start my program and when I was going to end it. So, I gave myself some time. And I had this flexibility, but I gave myself some time in between when school ended and when I returned home and when I would be able to work um, and when I wanted to stop working to enjoy some of the fruits of my summer labors. I'm literally at the, like literally I've been there. There've been interns here, maybe a couple of, maybe about a month or so now, a little bit over a month. And there's an intern that's already on vacation. She's on vacation for a week from internship girl is that how that works like (laughs) it's rigged y'all it is so rigged it is so rigged i mean and 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 i've had this conversation with with people of color in various different fields so you know even though it may all be a corporate structure people who are consultants people who are engineers people who are in healthcare, um people who are in library science you know i because i have friends in every realm people who are in medicine people who are in law it's rigged it's rigged and a lot of people have left and gone to work for other persons of color thinking that the system would be somewhat better and it ain't you know um I guess we're going to have to figure out this whole concept of multiple streams of income so that we can't depend on our corporate lives because I don't ever think we're going to get where we need to get. We're never going to get ultimately what we deserve. And obviously, we really can't compete in a world with, 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 where white women and white men are crying. I mean, come on. I mean, we, we don't have a foot in the fight when we get to that place. But anyway, I'm rambling on at this point. Um, I think the world is rigged rigged against us no matter how hard we work um I realize that now more than ever um in, in this very ever changing space called Atlanta Georgia cause it's ever changing um I have friends who make good money who can't afford to live they can't afford to buy in the areas in which they rent because of the way things are being structured you know and all the while you know we see other people constantly moving into the city and the space is changing you know dog parks walking trails sidewalks you know (laughs) all of these things are starting to happen and come of age um, in these spaces that didn't have these things before um man it's rigged anyway hit me up with your thoughts let me know how you feel if you if you disagree if you have things to add you can definitely follow me on uh follow this particular podcast anchor you can follow it through apple podcast you can also follow it through google podcast now um comment like share i would appreciate it love you guys for real hope you have a wonderful wonderful tuesday peace